you know, if we're going to save the planet, the entrepreneurs need to be in the leadership mode because we are creating changes. We are creating new innovation, big solutions that will help save the planet. And without innovation, clean tech innovation, we're not going to get there. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Today, I'm speaking with the founder and CEO of Startup Genome, J.F. Gautier. Startup Genome is an innovation-focused policy advisory and research firm that provides snapshots of the global startup ecosystem's development that can be used to fuel sustained economic growth. In 2022, Startup Genome produced the first cleantech-specific edition of the Global Startup Ecosystems Report. On this episode of Clean Tech Forward, J.F. and I go over some of the findings of that report why it is so important that they produce a clean tech focused version of the report and what startup ecosystems need to flourish. This clean tech forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG, a global leader in intellectual property law. Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian clean tech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit GowlingWLG.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. JF, welcome to Clean Tech Forward. Thank you so much, Annette. So we have been talking a lot behind the scenes on some incredible initiatives, including your global startup ecosystem report on clean tech. Before we dive into that, why don't you tell the listeners, how did you get into becoming an entrepreneur and then navigating your way to climate and sustainability? Well, I uh, worked in uh, innovation for a while and uh, started my own firm, uh, m and and Consulting, and, and got hired as CEO of one of my tech software clients. Uh, so, And then once you get the bug of working for a small company, then I think you have it for the rest of your life. So I, I kept working with startup, created five companies, two exits, two measurable failures. And uh, the last one after our last exit has been a spinoff, which has created Startup Genome. Uh, and through my startups, I worked, one of them was focused on clean energy uh, and you know had big hopes in the end of uh, near 2010 uh, with what everything that was happening. You know, the big carbon credit structure by the US was not passed into law. And a lot of things happened, and I went back into software, but really wanted to come back as as now we can see the the urgency of saving the planet and say I need to do something. We need to do something. I need to bring the assets, the knowledge of startup genome and its local community to help really work on on saving the client the planet. I feel like we must have crossed paths at the San Francisco airport in. 2010, 2011, as I was running a clean tech company and trying to scale that, uh, it was definitely a hot time. And ironically, able to keep some momentum even after the 2009, you know, financial crisis. Before we get into what you're working on now, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs in climate and sustainability? 
challenges, opportunities? Yeah, you know, it's like in tech, you know, what we've seen is that the, this hidden success factor is community. Right? And because we work on the ecosystem level and we've done all the big research on success factors at the startup level uh, and at the ecosystem level, we see that the gift that keeps on giving is, is your community, your relationship, relationship with founders that bring you knowledge, knowledge around your space, companies that succeeded and failed and that you can learn from sources of employees, of investors, of customers. So this is really the thing that I emphasize all the time, like, you know, it's not a waste of time to meet people and becoming close and helping them. And they're going to help you also. And that's where, you know, you need, that's what you need to do to be successful. It's very important. We see it in the numbers. The companies are more connected locally, grow twice as fast. Those that can get out of their country earlier, grow a lot faster, about two times faster also, uh, which means, and they usually are able to get out of their country because they have a glo they have global connections. And in clean tech is even more important because your markets are very fragmented. They're fragmented across all the clean, clean tech. It's really five sectors and dozens of industries. But these industries are not concentrated like the market, the software markets, where you go to London, New York, San Francisco, and Singapore, and you get access to, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the world's buyer of software. In clean tech, it's not like that. Right? The agriculture companies, they're fragmented by nation oftentimes, and the utilities also. So you need a lot more relationships. You need to really broaden your network globally to be able to, to succeed at global market reach. What a great segue into your Global Startup Ecosystem Report Clean Tech Edition. Why was it important to create a specific clean tech edition of your report? Yeah, we wanted to put the spotlight on this at the moment where we believe, and I say we because we formed a movement called Entrepreneurship for Climate with leaders like you, but also the Clean Tech Group and Engine, which is the global incubator network, and you know a bunch of great people. Award the, the Clean Tech Cluster Builder in Valencia was award, won an award for how she was able to build clusters and all helps everybody across the EU uh, and investors and leaders, Franz Nott, out of founder of Climate Launchpad, to bring, you know, start saying, okay, how can we work to, to stop the, the scale-up gap? And, you know, we said, okay, let's bring our knowledge together uh, and let's create a focal point on the importance of these, these clean tech clusters because we believe that, you know, if we're going to save the planet, the entrepreneurs need to be in the leadership mode because we are creating changes. We are creating new innovation, big solutions that will save, that will help save the planet. And without innovation, clean tech innovation, we're not going to get there. So we, we, that's why we build this ecosystem report to bring the attention to go, of governments and people, investors, everybody, this important sector of, of innovation at this critical juncture, really. Absolutely. After attending COP26, it was incredible to see the number of individuals from so many different stakeholder groups, organizations, government, nonprofit, for-profit, industry, uh, educators, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, students as well. And really, I think now more than ever, we absolutely are going to need to accelerate the global net zero transition. And hopefully through collaboration and other ways of working together, we can, we can do that. 
in the report, Toronto, Waterloo Corridor, and Vancouver were named to the top 25 global startup ecosystems. Calgary was named as an ecosystem to watch. Uh, also want to note that the top five clean tech ecosystems are Silicon Valley, Tel Aviv, Stockholm, London, and Los Angeles. With that said, did anything surprise you when you looked at the global clean tech startup ecosystem and the findings when you were leading up to producing the report? Well, what was really pleasing to me, and, and that's why we do this, is to bring you know, attention to what's happening that is really great and bring attention to the smaller cities that really are doing much better than, than you would think in clean tech and, and bring attention to the investors and the talent onto those. And Tel Aviv being number two is a big surprise, a small ecosystem, a small city, number two in clean tech. We need to celebrate that. Stockholm, you know, in general, in top 15, 20 in the world is number three. And Sweden having two in the top 10, Gothenburg is number 14. And so we want to bring attention to that. When we think about innovation, we'll often think about the US and London and China and the main cities of, of innovation. But in clean tech, it's, it's very different. Sweden has the third most prolific at generating clean tech innovation. So you have the US, right? 300 something million people, China a billion. They're number one and two, of course, but this country of 10 million people is number three. And Canada, with, as you said, Toronto, Waterloo, 12, Vancouver, 16, Canada has two in the top 20 country of, you know, a bit more than 40 million, I think, I believe right now. And you can see Amsterdam, number seven, Berlin, right? A lot of, of cities that you don't see in other sectors, Denver, Boulder, at number 13, Helsinki, number 20. So this is really important as an innovator to see those hotbeds of innovation in your sector because they are sources of partnership, innovation that you want to pay attention to, as you can learn from, uh, but also sources of talent, investors, right? If there's a lot of startups and scale-ups in those regions, because there's a lot of investment because the government started allocating a lot of money also to creating fund of funds and VCs that invest in the sector. So these are the surprises, if you will, from point of view um, that we want to bring attention to. And then after that, we look at, you know, who is, what is, what are the bigger contributors in terms of, of continents? Of course, North America, most of the top 20, Europe, no surprise. Asia, surprising, is only two. Beijing, number nine, Delhi, 25. So really, you know, you can see that Asia is, is, is behind, but China has, as we, we saw during COP26, has committed to catching up. And I can see it in our work with the national institutes and in China. And a lot of 2x increase in Series B plus in 2020 only in Asia in, in clean tech. The other big thing to note is this big inflation in valuation, 176% higher valuation in Series B in 2021 versus 2020. So it's a hot sector. And of course, the number of innovation doesn't increase because there's a lot of capital flowing in. And we've seen it before right? when the, the daughter of John Doerr at Kleiner Perkins cried seeing Al Gore's movie, Al Gore suddenly joined Kleiner Perkins and John Doerr was like, we're going to solve clean tech with the billions of dollars and the know-how of Silicon Valley. But it didn't work. And the scale-up gap persists when I see how much 
this increase in, in big exits or in, in big series B, series C, series D startups. Yes, more valuation, but no more startups that are really able to break that scale up gap. And that's why we started Entrepreneurship for Climate to work on that. And that's also highlighted in, in the report along with, with, I think, really interesting uh, articles from the different leaders. Would you say recognizing that scale-up gap was one of the most exciting findings in the report, or are there some other exciting elements you would extrapolate from findings? Well, we were asked to do the, the strategy for Denmark, and Denmark wanted to be the number one green innovation country in the world. Uh, and so started working with Franz Nauta and say, okay, what, what is needed and what's the big problem in clean tech? And we, you know, as we talked together and we talked to others uh, like you, we, we realized the biggest problem is, is the scale, scaling up because in, in clean tech, you know, you arrive with an intrinsic cost disadvantage, whereas in software, software is always cheaper than the labor we replace. And in clean tech, sometimes we're a hundred times uh, more expensive at unique on a unit cost basis compared to traditional solutions. And that's what really created this group to say, let's address the scale-up gap. And the report was a result of that, of us coming together to say, let's start bringing the attention to the problems that prevents those those clean tech companies to scale because we cannot have a big impact and save the world if we cannot scale those companies. So what do we need to do? And the report is you know, our first work together towards you know, bringing our networks together and starting to to crack the the problems, the, the the challenges that prevent those companies from scaling. I love your reflection on comparing digital companies to clean tech companies that require large amounts of capital. You know, building hardware and you know really complex systems and processing models, etc. But we are also seeing a large number of new clean tech companies that are digital focused, digital only almost. Yep. Uh, I'll give an example of Clear, which is a, a company here in uh, Canada that does work around ensuring that wind turbines are performing at their optimum performance and capacity. And I think we're also seeing more and more technologies around data and digitization uh, that are really going to impact how we address climate change. From your perspective, building on that and your background of AI, do you see just a real sort of catalytic shift where, you know, clean tech companies moving forward are more dynamic and digital in nature? Yes, they are. And then, you know, as it is happening across all industries, all sectors, right, there's a convergence and software is being used to solve all kinds of problems. And AI is also on that same road that software was 10, 20 years ago. But you know, now we looked at the last last year when we categorized all startups in the world, 2 million uh, small companies and 40% of them were using AI, right? And claimed it in their little text describing their company. So it's the new party, right? The new Play-Doh. And of course, everybody's using it and it, it solves a lot of problems, it accelerates things. But the, my big, Surprise when I went to the, the clean tech forum, San Francisco, and I had not been for 10 years, was to see the variety of solutions that are emerging. You know, in, in 2010, it was a lot of renewable energy and solutions around that. And now in every area that, I, that we look at this really super interesting solutions that combine these different technologies, nanoparticles and optics and AI and blockchain. And it's really exciting to be in the space right now 
and I see a lot of progress and a lot of opportunities and, and the ability to scale and, and have a huge climate impact. There's so many great things that have been identified in your research. We talked a little bit about the scale up gap as a red flag. When you look at all of these ecosystems, are there other red flags that we need to be honest with ourselves that exist in order for us to really make this net zero transition? Yeah, so we're trying to look at, at the scale up gas broadly and say, what are the issues? And the issues are multifold. And you mentioned earlier, the large and patient capital, which, you know, to my in my view, has not been solved yet. Yes, there's large capital and they claim to want to be more patient, but we've not seen the conservation money that's really patient and works at different pace and want to work only for carbon, right? Carbon savings, not for financial returns to really join the government and the private investors to change the game and change the, the, the model where you know some are want for financial returns, but the conservation and the, the, the carbon investor, if you will, want only carbon returns. And together, maybe we one can satisfy the financial returns of the other, the other, uh, the financial investors, and start being making them more patient and increasing their returns, right? To create more uh, more output and carbon savings. And those, these are the combination of, of structure that we haven't seen there. We see also demand side policies. The governments are the possibility to completely change you know, a market and create it like we saw in Germany with solar and with wind energy you know, decades ago. Uh, and we don't see a lot of those, right? These, these things that say, you know, we need to put 1% of carbon negative concrete in the ground in our projects in 2023. You need to start all the corporations. Corporations are not going to do it themselves. And so these demand side policy, we don't see them and uh, really happen. And now we're bringing our governments, our startup genome, to start thinking about that. How do we uh, create policies that will tilt, tilt the scale in favor of clean tech solutions instead of traditional solutions? Even when the big engineering companies say, I'm not putting anything on the ground that's not been on the ground for 20 years. Well, how do we break that? Only with our societies, our governments who represent ourselves say, okay, we'll make, a, we'll make a rule so that they need to start putting things in the ground. And of course, the scaling gaps is also skills, right? A lot of these cities have some experience or some, a lot of experience in scaling software companies, but the experience of the, the clean tech community itself in, in scaling companies is still low. Right, so we need to start bringing the scaling expertise from software and for from those who also succeeded in clean energy and, and clean technologies to bring and come help our young, energetic founders and executives teams that have great solution to scale and help them out. And so, in all of these cities, that's we're working on these these three facets to really start unlocking the potential uh, to scale and, and and help them actually succeed so that in a few years, we can start seeing some of the biggest companies in the world being clean tech companies. So in order to do that, uh, I'm hearing there's an opportunity for lots of collaboration. I know personally, I've enjoyed our conversations around how we take some of Canada's scale-up programs to the next level by tapping into Startup Genome's incredible international network and expertise. How important is collaboration, not only in scaling ventures, but creating ecosystems uh, important to, again, accelerating this net zero transition? 
Yeah, it's, it always sounds fluffy when we say it, but you know, now we have we have created methods to measure the quality of a community, how connected it is, and more. Just I have a lot of LinkedIn profiles that I'm connected to, but actually, people who care about me and I care about them, I'm connected. I know what they're doing and what they're doing, and then helping each other, right? spending actual time helping the other person's business, and we learn a lot when they do that. And it seems fuzzy, but now we've demonstrated that actually the cities that do it that have a better culture of helping each other, really see the, the ecosystem growing faster and the startups that are more connected grow faster. And you know, that's the, the story of Silicon Valley versus Boston. They were both number one in semiconductors, but in Silicon Valley, they were they were a, a prevention of enforcing non-compete agreements, which started people talking about, you know, all kinds of things they do and how they do it. And we often talk about that in Silicon Valley. It looks like we all work for the same company, right? We help each other a lot. And in Boston, it was not was not like that. And in every city, we, we, we look, those that have that culture, like Tel Aviv is renowned for that as well. Helsinki, you can see them really accelerating. And that means at the personal level, it works also. And it's so important because we need to learn from each other. We need to network. We need to care about each other. We need to give back. And when we're successful, especially, we need to give back. And we see people wanting to give back, but we need to help them put a structure around them so that they can do it effectively. For me, when I want to give back and, and, and mentor Canadian startups, it's very difficult because I've been in Silicon Valley for 25 years. So I don't know anyone. There's no structure to help me say, I'm going to show up on Thursday at 4 p.m. and for one hour, I'm going to help this great entrepreneur. There's no structure like that, but there's a lot of Canadian expats all over the world who want to give back to their home country startups. So we need to bring our nest, that power of the, all the Canadian communities all over the world who are top leaders in so many tech companies and client companies like agricultural firm, utilities, and help them structure a program so that they can efficiently give back and help our young startups succeed much faster on the global scene. All right, JF, it's been an incredible amount of work that you and your team at Startup Genome have done for the global clean tech community over the last many years. Is there anything you want to close off with sharing uh, with the Clean Tech Forward Network and community? Well, thank you so much for doing your work because the, the work of bringing people together, building community is the foundation of a successful ecosystem of startups and of successful startups built upon it. Right? I always remind people that if Zuckerberg had been in you know, Lagos, his chances of success were in building a Facebook was 0%, maybe 0.1%. But it's the community of Silicon Valley that, that, that built Facebook. And that's, what, that's going to be true for all of this clean tech success we'll see in the next five, 10 years. It requires a lot of help from customers, suppliers, partners, founders and executives and talent working together and even government helping with, with policy. So uh, so thank you for the work you're doing. And, and everybody, I encourage you to help build communities and help each other, give first. Thank you, JF. It's been incredible having you and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to Clean Tech Forward and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next time with Tatiana Estevez Carlucci, the founder and CEO of Permolution, to talk about their fog harvesting technology. I can't wait for you to learn about it. See you soon. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at foresightcac.com. 
or follow us on social at Foresight CAC.